Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Operation History, a podcast where history is more than what you remember. Tonight, the digital table is semi-full. Um, we have two of the four hosts today. The other two hosts, which which is Derek and Maria, send their love and wish they could be here with us today. That being said, the hosts that are here is Lauren. Hi. And I'm David. In tonight's episode, we're going to be discussing the Marymount Colony um, and how Thomas Morin got somewhat in trouble. So without any further ado, I'm going to pass the mic over to our colonial special, Lauren. Hello. Yeah, so um, we're going to be talking about uh, Thomas Morton, a uh, colonial writer and lawyer, and his colony, his short-lived colony, Marymount, uh, which for those in New England, this is uh, present-day Quincy, Massachusetts. Uh, it goes a little bit into Weymouth, but mostly Quincy. So if any of you remember, I did a solo round a few months ago about Wessagasset, which was another uh, early New England colony. Uh, both of these colonies kind of situate themselves in between the founding of uh, Plymouth Colony and Massachusetts Bay Colony up in Boston and Salem. Uh, these two colonies are branches of Plymouth Colony. It is from people that at least had somewhat of a hand in Plymouth Colony or were at least coming to the new world and they didn't exactly enjoy what they were seeing in Plymouth. So they kind of set out on their own. So uh, Thomas Morton, uh, we don't know too, too much about him, except that he was a lawyer. Uh, he studied at Clifford's Inn and in the early 1620s, in like 1622, uh, he comes over to New England. So he takes a trip to the New World. Uh, he actually is traveling with uh, Thomas Weston, or at least is peripherally traveling with Thomas Weston, who ends up founding Wessagusset, which ends in a huge massacre and craziness. If you want to know more about that, check out that episode. Um, I'll be referencing it a little bit, but it's not something that you necessarily have to know a whole lot about to understand what's going on here. So uh, Morton makes his way to uh, the New World, and he's kind of unimpressed with the Puritan uh, community. Um, he sees it's pretty intolerant, and he is one of those people that's coming here for economic reasons, not necessarily religious reasons. And we see that complaint a lot, actually. Uh, the pilgrims, if you don't know, they came over for economic and religious reasons. Uh, they did not necessarily come for religious freedom, but they came for um, practicing their own sect of Puritanism. They didn't like anyone else's religion, but they wanted to be able to practice that. And they were very, um, you know, very strict in their views. Uh, the pilgrim colonists were actually a separate sect of Puritanism. You could almost think of it as uh, 
don't know, almost like Scientology today in um, the Christians. Uh, not because of views, but just because people today are kind of like, oh yeah, that's a cult. Um, so he saw these Puritans as, uh, you know, intolerant. So he actually ends up going back to England and said, okay, you know what, this really isn't for me. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. Um, cut to 1624, and he actually um, partners in another expedition to go back to New England with a guy named Captain Wollaston. So for people that have ever been to Quincy or are familiar with Quincy, um, it was originally known as Mount Wollaston and the Wollaston area still exists. It's more like a name of a neighborhood of Quincy today, uh, which is interesting because I live in this general area. So I basically kind of live very close to where Marymount and all this was actually happening, which is kind of cool. Um, so Wollaston and Morton are back. They're kind of setting up, um, trade with the indigenous people in the area, which would have been Massachusetts, uh, Wampanoag, maybe a little bit of Nipmuc people, and other Algonquin-speaking, um, groups. So they're mostly trading for fur. Uh, because what you would be able to do, and the Pilgrims were doing this too, is you would trade, um, in their case, uh, even guns or something, um, beads, uh, cookware, uh, knives, guns, for beaver fur, which was really big in Europe. They were used to make silly hats. Uh, beavers up until very recently, be, continued to be the most poached animal in North America be, for this reason. So they were going after mostly beaver fur. So um, the people of Plymouth really weren't so happy about this because um, they didn't agree with the sale of to the natives and just generally they're kind of stomping on Plymouth territory of you know selling and making money and economic reasons and that kind of stuff. Um, long story short, um, Walson actually ends up going to Virginia. He kind of flees. Um, Morton like and Walson fall out. Uh, Morton kind of you know I would say rebel, that's a little bit too broad of a word, a little bit too serious, but he was like, you know, hey, screw you, like, you're not doing this right. Um, and Walston ends up going to um, Virginia in 1626, leaving Morton in charge of what's now um, Mount Walston, um, which is renamed Marymount, very quickly thereafter and that so, was from the, no, go the, ahead. From the research i saw that was kind of to thumb his nail in the puritans around right because mary mount was uh for happiness it was meant to invoke the roman gods and all that if i remember correctly yeah so it was super pagan uh so some people may be uh familiar with the 
which is ironic because it is still kind of English um, and British um, May Day. So it's May 1st and you're kind of celebrating, you know, the return of, you know, nice weather and animals and plants and whatever. And one of the things that uh, they would do is set up a maypole, which would basically like you would dance around it kind of. Um, and Morton does this two years in a row. So when they um, first established themselves as Marymount, uh, not only are they kind of more um, liberal in their Christianity than the pilgrims, uh, but they're setting up with the pilgrims to separate this sort of thing as kind of like this pagan pageant of May Day and using the Maypole. Um, it's kind of like they're like you're like raising up like the enemy flags and dancing around it. So it's yeah, very pagan, very not <laughs> what the separatists were looking for in their area. Well, I'm also wondering because Thomas Moore and he was he sided with the royalists, if I remember correctly, right? <laughs> like he wasn't part of that the Puritan parliamentary side, but he leaned more towards the Anglican king. So did that also play a major factor? I know like the religion the religion part played a huge factor, but the did the political um ever play a major factor between those two factions? Oh absolutely. Um it's almost like anything that could go wrong between these two settlements can go wrong in terms of they're just completely butting heads. And Morton knows this. He's not, you know, um, he's not necessarily uh, like naive to this. And I think it might be too far to say that he's doing this stuff on purpose just to piss off Governor Bradford, but it's definitely helping him. Like he's definitely like, this is an added bonus that like I'm pissing off this governor right now. Well, because doesn't he at some point get arrested and thrown out to England? Yes. Yeah. So basically what happens is um, the uh, militia, the like Plymouth militia, um, their like head, their captain was a guy named Miles Standish. Um, and he kind of, it's 1628 or 1629. Uh, Miles Standish kind of rolls into town. He chops down the maypole and he arrests um, Morton for supplying guns to the native people. Um, and he ends up, of course, he's put to trial, but he is found guilty. <laughs> I mean, he's being put on trial by the Plymouth settlers. And then he ends up uh getting sent back to England. Uh Marymount. Oh sorry, go ahead. I was gonna ask you a question, but I think you might answer the question about the have. So yeah, so um Marymount survives for about a year. Um they kind of rename it, they kind to kind of push away from Marymount. Um it's Mount Dagon, but it kind of fails and then Quincy really doesn't see a 
resurgence or this area that's now Quincy, Massachusetts doesn't see a resurgence for several years. They kind of almost give the land a moment to kind of settle. So the question I was going to have is I've read some accounts where Thomas Morton led the Massachusetts Bay colony to lose its charter by the king. And I've saw some reports that it, he didn't actually do that. With, since I know Massachusetts Bay colony does lose its charter. Did Thomas Morton play a big part of that or did he not? In my opinion, he's really not um, that. Like, it's, you. I could argue that he is one of the reasons, like, one of the many factors, but not necessarily the reason why. Um, one of the main reasons why the uh, charter is revoked is because Massachusetts Bay colony especially is just like doing their own thing they see themselves as above the law of um england uh so this is happening what we're talking about this happening in the 1620s uh the charters revoked in 1684 and one of the reasons is like like I said, the way that Massachusetts Bay saw themselves, they're like, England's an island across the ocean. They can tell us what to do, and they are, but by the time they figure out what we're doing is wrong, it's already so late that it's almost grandfathered in. So they lose the charter because they're just completely doing their own thing. Um, including discriminating against like Anglican church members and those that aren't um, like Puritan. Like the people that are like straight up Church of England, like they're totally cool with what's happening. And that bellows into somewhat the English Civil War, if I remember correctly, yep. right? Because we're getting close. This leads into the British Civil War, which then that's when the Anglican Church and the Puritan Parliament have their huge cabal. Did any of that boil over into the colony? A little bit. Um, the people of um, the people over here uh, didn't necessarily like a lot of people went back to fight. A lot of Puritans said, okay, this is our time. So they went back to fight on the side of like Oliver Cromwell and against the king. Um, they saw a lot of decrease in Puritan settlers. Um, during this time, it's known as the like great like Puritan migration. Uh, a lot of people, you know, Puritans are saying, I don't like the way that the church is running. I'm going to go over to Boston where we know that things are going good. Um, so that was happening. Uh, the king also sets up the Dominion of New England with, um, I want to say his first name is Edmund um, Andros, and the people of uh, Massachusetts Bay Colony really hate it because they're kind of cracking down on the Massachusetts Bay Colonists doing whatever they want. So during the Civil War, they actually get word that um, 
you know, the king is dead. And the first thing they do is kind of kidnap Andros <laughs> and they're like, throw him in prison. And they write back and they're like, look at this amazing, like, dad, aren't you proud of me? Like, look at this amazing thing that I did. And the response is basically like, oh my God, don't you know? <laughs> like you went too far, what are you doing? Um, which I think is great. But yeah, like Morton uh, returns, like like his like trials and stuff are happening during the English Civil War. Um, of course, he's found, you know, as big, he's a, you know, royalist. He's like all these negative things that they hate about him. Um, which is interesting because he actually goes on to publish um, a book, New English um, Canon, in 1637 about like his opinions of the Plymouth colony and New England and the government and all that kind of stuff. So he ends up being a really good source of what was happening during the time period in a way that's different from, say, William Bradford, who also wrote... Um, his work of Plymouth Plantation, which is how we know a lot of things that were happening during this time period. So he definitely gives us a different perspective. I've also read things. So I, I read a couple of different articles where um, Morn also treated the Algonquin people on a somewhat even scale factual or is it kind yeah of like it's like he was better like better than from what i understand he was better than like the plymouth colonists who while they were working with the algonquin people the uh, wapanoag people in particular they still had this air of like i'm better than you you know like you're still like at one point one of the colonists describes like one of them they're like yeah he's pretty smart for a savage you know like it's that backwards compliment um i wouldn't say morton goes as far as like roger williams with like actively writing back and being like we're on indigenous land they should be the ones that are in charge we have to um respect what they want to do but he definitely had this air of understanding that like okay well i think he even says at one point like they're smarter and more uh like respectful than some of these separatists that i'm dealing with which is interesting um the there is a portion of william bradford's writings about thomas morton and it's absolutely like such a bias like it's like ridiculous um to quote william bradford he says um the people of marymount um what a desolate life pouring out themselves into all profaneness and morton became lord of misrule and maintained as it were a school of atheism and after they had got some goods into their hands and got much by trading with the Indians. They spent it as vainly in quaffing and drinking both wine and strong waters in excess. And as some reported, 10 pounds worth in the morning. They also sat up a maypole, drinking and dancing about it many days together, inviting the Indian woman 
for their concerts, dancing and frisking together in words practices. He's just like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> he's like, look at what they're doing. Though. I know that he's like, they're partying. I don't understand what's going on. That dang hippie over there. Yeah, literally. They're like, um, this is not it. Yeah, and then he goes on to say how not only did they trade with the indigenous people guns, they showed them how to use them. Um, he is quoted as saying, um, the mischief that this wicked man began in these parts. Like, it's just... It's interesting, just because they're saying, like, this is ridiculous. We have to suppress him. He is going against what we think and what we're doing. And they're ruining kind of like this paradise they're, thing that we think that we're, we have. They're on. ruining our little slice of heaven. Yeah, literally. A lot of people, because I think Morton also, without knowing the words, would refer to him, like, have referred to Marymount as more of a utopia than like we're working but we're also partying and we're drinking and we're friends with the native people and also we don't have to listen to William Bradford and his like extremist ideas they do say though when um Captain Standish goes to um goes to kind of break everything up um one I don't know if it's sure or not, but they say that um, Morton calls him Captain Trump because um, he was short. And I read the, that in a couple of different places. Yep, Captain Shrimp. That comes up a few times. And um, the people of Marymount were so drunk that they couldn't even fight back anyway. So it was pretty easy. <laughs> they just kind of walk. They're like, okay, like you win. I, I'm, too, I'm too drunk. <laughs> I read where one of the, like, there's only one person got injured and he was so drunk that he I guess went to go either for some reason his nose was like on the blade of a sword and his nose went down and like cut his nose but like yeah. other than that everyone like even more himself was just plastered so everyone was just three sheets of the wind as they would say which I love like good for them like Honestly, it sounds like Marymount sounds like the United States during the 1960s more than anything. It's like, oh, this is what actually what America is going to become. This right over yep. here. This place yeah. of party city. Yeah, literally. It's, I know, the, like, Bradfords of the time are probably, like, horrified. Because, like, looking back, they're saying how terrible this person is. But as I'm reading, I'm like, I didn't know what's up. Yeah, it's like, fine. I didn't on that colony. <laughs> like, that sounds fine to me. Working and vibing? All right, I mean, let's go. Yeah, literally. Like, not to be confused with um, the West Augusta colony that, like, literally couldn't even feed themselves. And one guy got was so starving that he got stuck in the mud and died because he couldn't pull himself out. I'd rather be so drunk that I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'll hang out with Morton. He seems like a good time. Well, also, them being drunk means that they have a stable source of food at some level because they can use the excess to make drink. So, yeah, they had that good stuff. They had strong stuff, too. They had that strong mead. Yeah. That strong cider. 
Yeah, that's um, interesting. I have a copy of his stuff somewhere. It's somewhere on this bookshelf, but he's interesting. I'd like to go back in time and meet him. I know, just be like, hey, want to have a beer? He'd be like, absolutely, I do. Want to go sit by me? I never thought you me? would ask. Yeah, I thought you'd never ask, which I'm pretty sure... Ironically, full circle to Massachusetts Heights. Um, if I know the uh, location of Mount Walston correctly, it's on the same intersection that now hosts the first Sunken Donuts that was set in 1950. So, like, Morton really paved the way. <laughs> Without Thomas Morton, we wouldn't have the first Sunkies in all Thanks, of New England. We die. I mean, yeah, America runs in that case. Damn right. At least Massachusetts does. True. True. Um, he was interesting to read about in the exploits that he did um, more than anything. It was like, hey, this is interesting, and I wish more people knew about Thomas Warren. Yeah, he's a cool guy. You really don't hear too much about him. Um don't know if it's how he's related but there's another morton that's in colonial history that hangs around i don't think they're related though and i'm like the morton family's lit if you're a descendant of thomas morton and you're listening for some reason the man was lit he knew how to have a good time yeah. <laughs> he literally did the most and then paid for it but that's okay it is okay you can't you can't win them all. Nope. No, you can't. Thank you all so very much for tuning into this episode. Again, nice and short one, something for you to get you through the week. Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners and the support that have re- that we have received. Please continue to rate, download, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. It's a small and simple thing you can do to help the show in a big way. Um, If you would like to interact with us, there are several different ways you can do that, primarily through our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook page, at Operation Hist. Um, Hear that, or you can email us at operationhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go on to our WordPress, where you can also find our show notes, all of our episodes, uh, once it's fully updated, which we'll start doing after the episode airs. Once again, thank you all for joining us. And this is Operation History signing out.